0: Please be seated. I would like to thank you for all your cards and well wishes and prayers during my recovery from an appendix attack a week ago Friday. And I also want to thank the staff and especially Bill for jumping in with about one day's notice to not only preach my my sermon, it was his sermon, it was supposed to be mine, he wrote it in that one day, but also to teach the Sunday school class. For The last two days Bill has been asking me urgently, how do you feel? How do you feel? In a completely self-interested way because he just wanted to make sure I'm not feeling too good all of a sudden, Bill. <laughs> just teasing. Actually, I'm doing well. Um, I would say 90 to 95 percent, and I, again, uh, appreciate your prayers and concerns. Before, two weeks ago, when Irma blew in, followed by my appendix attack, Bill and I had a wonderful plan. For six consecutive weeks, we were going to preach a series of sermons on the issue of our mission statement as being a movement for reconciliation, I started it out with the story of Adam and Eve in the garden and how they began the great split, the great divide between humanity and God because they wanted to be godlike. They didn't like to deal with the anxiety of not having all the knowledge, and so they ate of the tree of knowledge, and that began the split. That was the mythological, metaphorical story of history down through time, every single human being experiences that split. We are divided and separated from God, I said. Now the question is, how do we come back together? And that was going to be the next week's sermon on reconciliation from the second chapter of Corinthians in the 5th uh, second book in the fifth chapter, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and counting us to be ambassadors of reconciliation. God. It was all planned out. And t- today, by the way, Bill, you preached that sermon better than I could. And again, I appreciate it. Today, I was going to preach on the first book of Peter, of which comes our call to worship. Once we were not a people, but now we are a people. Once we had not received mercy, but now we have received mercy. We are a chosen race, a holy priesthood. I was going to say in that that, you know, Peter's writing not to us. We're established. We're insiders. Peter was writing to a motley group of Christians in eastern Turkey who were persecuted in the minority, struggling barely to make it, who had been told all their lives because they were Gentiles that they were not a people, but now they are in Jesus Christ and that their reconciliation in that for them, they are now included, embraced. I was going to say all of that until yesterday morning when I changed my mind and decided I'm going back to the same passage that Bill preached from last week, not to outdo his sermon, but to add to it, because I think it is the focus sermon and the focus passage for who we are as Christians and followers of Christ. We know we're divided. We're divided as a country, as a people, as a world. We're separated from God. We seek wholeness and unity. Sin is what causes that. Sin separates us from God, each other, and ourselves. Reconciliation is the reconnection that comes through God after we have been separated. Here are the passage from Second Corinthians 5. Paul is talking to a church who is in conflict over everything. How long the preacher's hair is, what the dress code should be, who gets to sit at what pew, who gives money, who does not, What is the new organ for? Every possible scenario of conflict this church is in, this newly established church. And Paul is writing to them by saying, Now we're clothed in mortality, but then we will be clothed in the building made by God. Which is to say, loosen up, don't take yourself so seriously. And he says to them the words we should hear too, beginning in the 10th verse, for all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. each, So that each may receive recompense for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. I mean, I'm going to like show up at that point in time and stand before the Creator God and send to Him my dossier of life and say here it is and he's going to judge me accordingly yes according to Paul and what we will be judged by is whether or not we were reconcilers for he follows that with this in the 16th verse from now on therefore We regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God. God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So now we are ambassadors and agents for Christ, God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you, therefore, on behalf of Christ, to be reconciled to God. This is the word of the Lord. Bill, I feel fine. Did you hear the words? New creation. If there are two words to me that sum up the whole power and meaning of the story of God in Jesus Christ, it is this. I am making a new creation. That's the promise. The old has passed away. Behold, I make all things new. What does this look like? in your life. Let me ask you another question. What's the most important piece of furniture in this church? The preacher, especially the Reformed preacher, would say, it's the pulpit. We preachers explain and explicate and offer the Word of God to the people without the Pulpit, you would not have the word given to you because in the old days it was in Latin and nobody could read. So it's the pulpit. The Congregationalist and Many Baptists would say it's the font. It's got to be the baptismal font because this is the place where we are claimed by God as being a child of God. This is where we are initiated into the church. This is where we have the water to wash us of our, our sins and to bring us up out of the waters as a new creation. Here it is. It's the furniture that makes that clear. Some would say Episcopalians, Catholics, more high church, it's all about the table. The Eucharist, communion, this is the center. It's on the floor around which all of us sit. It's about the table where we all come together renewed in community as one body, reconciled. I want to suggest that it's not any of those three as the most important. It's the pew. Where you sit, the pew is the most important piece of furniture in this church. For in these pews, we gather together as one body, the body of Christ, In this church, as you know, we do not all agree sometimes. Let me rephrase that. We do not all agree all times. Let me rephrase that. All of us do not agree all times. And what makes that so powerful is that we can gather together sharing this pew space with each other even though we do not share the same political or ideological or any other understanding the same. That we are here as one body of Christ not because of our understanding of the truth but because God has called us here and made of us a new creation. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. It's the pew that forms us as a child and as an adult. And all of these other furnishings simply nurture us and feed us so that we can be truly the body of Christ we were called to be as we go back out into the world, ambassadors of Christ as we reconcile with others. Our mission statement, as you hopefully know by now, that is, a movement for reconciliation, has a lot of meanings, And when I was discussing this with our stewardship committee on Friday morning, talking about how as we move into stewardship, I hope it can be a mission-based process, that everything we spend and every program we have is simply for the purpose of being a movement for reconciliation. And in the middle of the—I'm waxing eloquently. I'm going on and on, using all this high theological language. And one of the members raised her hand, and she said— I hear all this, Steve, but can you help me a little bit? Would you please explain to me again what you mean by reconciliation? And convicted, you know, it's one of those big, smart words that makes me sound smart, reconciliation. She said, sum it up in a nutshell to a layperson. And the best I could say is that the opposite of reconciliation is division, separation. And that the Bible says that the power of sin is that which separates us from God and each other and even divides us within ourselves. We're separated, we're divided, like you break a stick in half. And what reconciliation means is to be reconnected, to be brought back together in relationship, so that where before there were parts, now there is a whole. As if I said in Sunday school, you throw a thousand-piece puzzle out on the table, and the process of matching the pieces together to form one picture is what reconciliation looks like. You bring all the pieces together. It's a renewal, and in the end, it's a resurrection and we talk about Paul saying, behold, I make all things new. I think the best way to say it, in fact, the Greek meaning of it is really this. Behold, I renew all things. That God takes the old in us and doesn't do away with it. God takes it and renews it. Recreates it. Reconcile. Re, what a great preface that is. Re. Breathe. It's, it's about second chance. Lord, we know about the old being. We live it every day. The mistakes we make, the times we open our mouths and we wish we hadn't, or the times we didn't open our mouths and we wish we had, the way we treat people or criticize or gossip or Whatever it is that we do on a daily basis, it's the old creation in us, we know it. I've got a list about 146,000 pieces long in my life and that's probably just the start of places of old life living that I wish I could take back. I am drowning in the old life about 30% of the time and barely treading water 40% of the time, and swimming pretty good about the other 30% of the time. Maybe that's a push. We live in a world that understands the old creation. We watch it on television. We read it in the newspapers. We are so tired of it We look in the mirror and what we see looking back, yeah, it's older than the last time we look. It's not just the age in us, but it's the old creation in us where we keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, as they say, in 12 steps. That's insanity. We keep stepping in the same potholes. That's the old... God says in Jesus Christ, we have been reconciled to God to each other and to ourselves. And in that reconciliation, we are now a renewed creation. And we live out of that renewed creation in a new way every day. It is our hope. You know what we hope for? It's in Revelation. We don't hope for an apocalypse. That's doing away with everything We hope for a renewal where at the end of time we will all be gathered around the wedding table and all of our names will be there, those who have come before us and those who will come after. And we will all sing together the great sanctus, holy, 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 as we do at Communion there will be no more tears and there will be no more death and there will be no more grief and there will be no more division and there will be no more black or white or male or female or Greek or Jew. That's our hope. That's the new creation. And not only is that hope out there, it is even now here in spits and starts, in Flashes in moments we experience that new creation when instead of what comes out of our mouth as being critical, it's compassionate. I had a seminary professor, I think I told you this, who used to watch one of his students on the front row fall asleep every single class. He was fed up with it, and so he decided he was going to call him down. The next day at class, the guy's head drops, and he, instead of, saying to him, John, if you can't come to this class and stay awake, don't come at all. That's what he wanted to say. But the power of the reconciling spirit in Christ came to him instead, and he said nothing. Instead, after class, he asked John by himself, are you okay? And John said, no, I'm not. I've been diagnosed with narcolepsy. I'm trying to stay awake. That was the new creation. The new creation is when Jesus says, what is the most important commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and your neighbor as yourself. Which means we give our neighbors every single benefit of the doubt we give ourselves. Before I was attacked with appendicitis, I was raking the leaves and limbs in my front yard and I have this neighbor I do not like. He has two giant German shepherds who were obnoxious and loud and mean, and he leaves them out in the front yard, it's fenced, and every time somebody walks their dogs on the sidewalk, they run and lunge and jump up on the fence, barking as loud as they can. It scares them to death and it just drives me crazy. I've only lived there 10 years I don't know his name. I didn't want to know his name because I don't like his dogs. I also don't like his politics, by the way, but I won't tell you what that is. (laughs) So I'm out there raking the leaves, and I see him across the street, and we have yet to say a word to each other in ten years. Whose fault is that? And so I got these really nice trash bags you buy at Lowe's, you know, the real thick milliliter Uh, green bags that almost stand up on their own and I'm out there putting my leaves and twigs in there and he's out there with these flimsy little thin trash bags trying to get the sticks in and he's just having a time of it and so the power of the reconciling love in Christ actually came to me wasn't me and said you know what you got plenty of these bags and he needs them So I went in my garage and got a handful of these bags, and I walked across the street, and I said, I apologize, I should know your name, I'm Steve Goyer, he told me his. I've got these great bags, they work, I see you're working hard with those, please take, those are expensive, he said, not a problem, use them. Just a moment of the reconciling power of God in Jesus Christ And if you paid attention to your life, if I pay attention to mine, every single day we probably have 50 opportunities to do that. That's our mission. And it's so important that Paul says, that's how at the end of our lives we're going to be graded. Were you a reconciling presence or not? Oh God, please grade on the curve.